0: Good morning and welcome. We are grateful to have you with us today. If you're visiting, if you are one of our members, as always, we are glad that you're here as well. Today marks the beginning of a new day, a new month, and a new year. And for that, we are very grateful. What a blessing it is to live in 2012. And we are very thankful for all of the blessings of 2011 and anticipate a great, great year together. I appreciate so much those of you who are here here today. I want to express appreciation to Jared for preaching in my absence last week. I know that he did a great job. And I appreciate so much the opportunity to work with him and to work with you. We're going to be looking today at Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. We want to think about the theme, Making Right Choices in the New Year. It only seems appropriate that we would think about the importance of making the right choices as we begin a new day, a new month, and a new year. And so we want to look at Philippians chapter 3, the passage that Tanner read a moment ago, where the Apostle Paul said, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There are two things that I want us to think about in connection with these two verses today as we study together. Particularly as these points relate to our theme, Making Right Choices in the New Year. First and foremost, let me call attention to the remedy for the past. And then we're gonna note the resolution for the present. But as we think about the remedy for the past, of course, we're talking about the prescription. How do we deal with the past? Well, there are two things that I believe we need to consider. First of all, we have to evaluate and We touched somewhat on this a couple of weeks ago when we stressed the importance of evaluating our spiritual condition in light of what God in his word has said. But I think about Genesis chapter three, verse nine, where God, following the transgression of Adam and Eve, said to Adam, Adam, where are you? Now, we might ask the question, did God know where Adam was? Well, the answer would be obviously. God is omniscient. God knows everything. It wasn't so much that God did not know where Adam was, but I think rather God wanted Adam to understand where he was. And so we asked the question, Adam, where are you? And I think that it's incumbent on us to ask the question, spiritually speaking, where are we? You know, we come to the close of a new year or come to the close of a year and we embark upon a new year. And it's only relevant to ask the question, where are we, where have we been? Where are we today, where are we going? Well as we think about where we are spiritually speaking, let me just pose for you three possibilities. And I think these three possibilities would certainly cover the spectrum of all of us who are here today. First and foremost, we might be able to say I am a faithful servant of the Lord. And I would hope and pray that all of us could make that statement. That we are in good standing with the Lord, that we are right in the eyes of Almighty God. That we are doing our best to emulate the words of Jesus in Revelation chapter two at verse 10. When he said be faithful until death, the promise being the crown of life. All of us want to go to heaven and we ought to live as if we expect to go to heaven. So first of all, we could say, I am a faithful servant of the Lord. The second possibility, we might say, I am an unfaithful servant of the Lord. Now, granted, it's never easy to admit wrongdoing. It's never easy to acknowledge the fact that we have not been what we ought to be. Peter talks about the danger of apostasy, of going back into the world in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. He talks about the danger of lapsing back into the world. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, the apostle Paul brought to mind to Timothy one of his cohorts, one of his companions in days gone by, a man by the name of Demas, and he said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You see, the world takes people captive. And, de- and the devil is identified as the God of this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, at verse 4, the devil would love nothing better than to see those who at one time had been faithful members of the body of Christ go back into the world. The third possibility is that we might state, I have not been baptized into Christ, and therefore I am not a servant of the Lord. And here we're talking about somebody who has never identified with what the Bible talks about, the gospel plan of salvation. In other words, here's somebody who may believe Jesus to be the Son of God, but they have never acted upon that faith. They've never repented of their sins. They've never said... I am a sinner, I stand in danger of losing my soul. Because Paul would say in Romans chapter six, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. But he also said, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Here's somebody that maybe they believe Jesus to be the son of God, maybe you're here today, you've never obeyed the gospel. You believe Jesus to be the son of God, but you have never, you've never repented, You've never confessed the name of Jesus before others like the eunuch did in Acts chapter 8. You've never been baptized into Christ. Why do you need to be baptized into Christ? Because baptism is what stands between you and salvation, according to Mark 16, verse 16. Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. Baptism stands between you and the remission of sins, Acts 2. Verse 38, furthermore, baptism would stand between you and the washing away of sins, Acts 22, verse 16. So if you haven't been baptized into Jesus Christ, then you're not a servant of the Lord. Now, I'm not saying that baptism is more important than belief. Repentance or confession, they are all equally important. Baptism, however, is that step from without to within When people are baptized into Christ, they are then added to the body of Christ. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 at verse 13, by one spirit were you all baptized into one body. Why do you need to be in the one body? Because the Bible says he is the savior of the body, that being Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 5 verse 23. So evaluate, where are you? I would hope and pray that all of us here today would acknowledge that we are faithful servants of the Lord. But I understand that that may not be possible. So, if you're here today and you are not a faithful member of the body of Christ or if you have never been baptized into Christ, I want you to think about our second point. First, evaluate. Secondly, extricate. In other words, if you are living A life of sin. If your life is not what it ought to be, then you have the opportunity to get out of that lifestyle. That's the beauty of today. Think about this. There are a lot of people that began 2011 who are not here today. There are a lot of people in our world, they began this day one year ago. But they're not here today. They're in eternity. God has granted you the blessings of life. And so if your life is not what it ought to be, you have the opportunity, you have the privilege of making things right today. Three key words, number one, forsake. If you're not what you ought to be, you need to forsake your old lifestyle. That is, if you've never been baptized into Christ, you need to repent, you need to come out of the world. You need to be baptized into Jesus Christ, you need to become a child of Almighty God. If you're here today and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, you again, you too, you need to make amends, you need to repent, you need to come out of that lifestyle. Look at what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Paul recounts his former life. Paul had to forsake some things. Beginning in verse 5, he says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Paul had at one time been a zealous Jew, persecuting those who were members of the body of Christ, putting them to death. And yet, he came out of that lifestyle. He forsook that. In Isaiah chapter 55, Isaiah said, let the wicked man forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy on him and to God and he will abundantly pardon. You have that opportunity, so you need to forsake. Then secondly, the second key word, Forgiveness. Let me tell you what, maybe your life is not what it ought to be. Maybe you're not in Christ today. Maybe you've never been baptized into Jesus Christ. You have the opportunity to do that this golden hour. Think about those people on Pentecost Day who had never obeyed the gospel. When they were cut to the heart as a result of having heard the first gospel sermon, you know what they said? They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And the Bible tells us that Peter commanded them to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. If you've never been baptized, this is your golden hour. You can do that today. You can begin 2012 as a child of God. You can become a baptized believer this very day. The Lord will add you to the church and you'll enjoy all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Maybe you're here today and you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ. Let's just be honest. There are people in the church all across this globe whose lives are not what they ought to be. If that's your lot today, you can seek God's forgiveness. Read Acts chapter 8, Simon the sorcerer. Peter said his heart was not right before God. He instructed him to repent and pray God for forgiveness. Here's what John said in 1 John chapter 1 at verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is forgiveness with Almighty God. As Isaiah said, he will abundantly pardon. And then the third key word, Forget. If God forgives, the Bible says he also forgets. In other words, he doesn't hold it against you any longer. He doesn't bring it up. If God will forget our sins, then we have to learn to forget them as well. Listen again to what Paul said. Look, if you would, at verse 13. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me or which are behind You and I have to learn to let go of the past. Listen, 2011, it's over, it's done, it's behind us. Whatever is in the past, it's in the past. If you need forgiveness and you come to God and God forgives you, the Bible says God forgets. If God forgets, then you and I, we have to learn to forget. Here's what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter eight at verse 12. I will be merciful their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. So that's what God can do for you, and I would hope and pray that if you're here today, your life is not what it ought to be, that you'll make amends, that you'll do what you need to do to get your life in line with the Lord for 2012. But now consider with me, if you would, the, the second point, the resolution for the present. As we think about the resolution for the present, I call attention to what Paul said in verse 13, where he talks about reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And then note, if you would, what he says in verse 14. He said, I press toward, in other words, I press on, toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There are two main points I want to share with you along these lines. As we think about pressing on the resolution for the present, you and I, we live in the present. We can't live in the past and really we can't live in the future. We've got to live in the here and now. We've got to live today. So, two things. Number 1, I want you to I want you to consider with me. I want you to consider making this your resolution. Number 1, I am determined to give myself to the Lord. I would hope and pray that you would literally sign off on this statement. That you will echo the sentiments, I am willing to give myself to the Lord in 2012. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 at verse 5 the Bible talks about the Macedonians who first gave themselves to the Lord. When you give yourself to the Lord, and I'm talking about give everything you have, body, soul, and mind to the Lord, let me tell you what, you will have no better life. There is is no way a life in the world compares to a life in Christ. When you come to understand the love of God, the love of Christ, the mercy of God, the blessings of being a child of God, I promise you there's nothing to compare to that. Paul talks about all of the spiritual blessings that we enjoy in Christ in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. If you're in Christ Jesus and you're living for the Lord, you are rich beyond words. So, I am determined to give myself to the Lord in 2012. I've got ten things I want you to consider with me very quickly. Number one, as we think about giving ourselves to the Lord, number one, I will exercise daily to grow stronger in the Lord. Now we talk about physical exercise. There are a lot of people tomorrow night, I promise you, or Tuesday night, they're going to be in the gym because they've made the New Year's resolution that they're going to start working out. They're going to lose weight. They're going to get in shape. They're going to look like they did when they were a teenager or whatever. Well, many times those promises, those resolutions are short-lived. I'm not talking about physical exercise. It may be the case that you need to physically exercise. Some of us do. But I'm talking about spiritual exercise. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter four, verse seven, exercise yourself unto godliness. You and I, we need to exercise our spiritual lives. How do we do that? Well, we've got to grow strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, as Paul would say in Ephesians chapter six. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We talk about building strong muscles and building stamina, building up our cardiovascular system. We do that by what? By exercise. How do we build the inner man? We build it by spending time in the word of God. We build it by exercising that inner man. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So, would you be willing to say, I'm going to exercise every day so that I might grow stronger in the Lord? Number two, I will spend time with Jesus in his word. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, there is a great statement made about Peter and John. The Bible tells us that the religious leaders in the first century Having interrogated these two men because they had healed a man at the gate of the temple back in Acts chapter 3 as recorded by Luke, they took knowledge that these men had been with Jesus. I want to encourage you to spend time with Jesus every day in the new year. Now, there are four narratives of the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you read about three chapters every day, You can finish Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John every month in this new year. Now, that ought to be a goal. If you're not willing to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read the book of Matthew, 28 chapters. You could read a chapter a day every month. At the end of this year, guess what? You'll know more about Jesus than you ever knew in your life. And you will feel closer to the Lord. We talk about Jesus and we talk about knowing Jesus and living for Jesus. Listen, if we're not spending time with him in his word, we're not growing closer to him. So will you say with me, I will spend time daily with Jesus in his word. Number three, I will make the Lord the focal point of my life. I'm not talking about just giving the Lord a portion of your life. I'm not talking about giving him 75%, 80%, 90%, 100%. I'm talking about giving him the entirety of your life, body, soul, and mind. Now we talk about what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Paul said in, Paul said in the long ago in Colossians chapter 3, at verse 4, when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we'll be with him in glory. Jesus needs to be the focal point of our lives. If your life doesn't revolve around Jesus Christ, something is wrong. I want to encourage you to make him the focal point of your life. Are you willing to say today, I'm making the focal point of my life? Number four, I will pray daily. The psalmist prayed three times a day The Bible says in Psalm 55, verse 17, Evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. You and I have the greatest resource known to man. We have the privilege and the power of prayer at our disposal. How much time do we spend in prayer? I would encourage you when you get up in the morning, pray to God. When you sit down for lunch, pray to the Lord. Now we ought to give thanks for our food every time we eat. But then... As we close the day, we ought to pray to God, thanking him for another day of life, for all of the blessings of that day. You and I, we ought to spend time in prayer to Jehovah God. We ought to be on our knees day and night. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. Continue steadfastly in prayer, watching therein with thanksgiving. The Bible also says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. If you're not praying, you're missing out on a lot of great blessings in this life. Number five, I will be present for all the assemblies of the church. Now please, listen very carefully. What I'm trying to do is equip you to live a faithful life. That's my goal. I'm trying to say here is some arsenal so that you can withstand the advances of the devil. The devil's out here walking about as a roaring lion and Peter said he's seeking whom he may devour. Now there are a lot of blessings and favors that we enjoy in Christ Jesus and there are a lot of blessings that we have at our disposal sometimes that we leave untapped. We come together on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I want to encourage you, make it a point. Say today, I'm going to be present for every assembly of the Lord's church. It's going to make you what you ought to be. It's going to help you. It's going to to encourage, inspire, enlighten, It's going to enable you to draw closer to the Lord, but if you are not here, you're going to miss all those blessings. Make it a point. Say right now, I'm going to be present every time the doors are open. I said just a moment ago, the devil's doing everything he can to destroy our faith. We need all the help we can get. When we're in the assemblies of the Lord's church, listen, we're drawing closer to God. We're getting stronger by the mere fact that we're spending time with the Lord and his word. So, make the statement today, I'm going to be present for every assembly of the Lord's church, come what may. Number six, I will be involved in some capacity in the work of the church. If you're not involved in the work of the church, you need to be. Because you see, when you look at the New Testament, you'll find that those who belonged to the body of Christ in the first century, they were involved in the work. They were doing something for the cause of Christ. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we have been created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We are to be zealous for good works. We are to live in such a way so that our lives bring honor and glory to God. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew five sixteen. What are you doing for the cause of Christ? What are you doing to expand the borders of the kingdom? Are you evangelizing? Are you edifying? Are you helping those who are in need? In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus said, I was hungry. And what'd you do? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. He said, I was naked. You clothed me. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was sick in prison and you came unto me. That's what it means to be involved in the work of the church. If you're not involved in the work of the church, then something's wrong. Consider also, number seven, I will strive to bring one lost soul to the Lord. Now, 2012 is before us. We've got the whole year to begin planting the seed in the hearts and lives of people all around us. Now, I'm not saying you gotta go out and convert the whole neighborhood. I'm not saying you got to convert the whole city. I'm saying just identify one person Surely you have one person, a friend, a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor, a school, a classmate, whomever. Surely there's somebody that you could bring to the Lord. Did you know that Solomon said that he who wins souls is wise? Did you know that Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. You and I, we are to be soul winners. Identify one person. Think about it this way. If you can get one person one person to hear the gospel of Christ and they obey it. You will have influenced one person for heaven. Surely you want somebody to go to heaven with you. We don't want to go, just, we don't want to go alone. We want to take people with us. So be a soul winner. Number eight, I will make the most of the time God has graciously given me. Paul said in Ephesians 5, 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I don't know how much time you and I have left, but I know this. Every day brings us one step closer to eternity. I said a moment ago, there are a lot of people that began this year who aren't here today. They're in eternity. By the grace of God, you and I, we are alive and well today. Here's what the psalmist said in Psalm 90 at verse 12. He said, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. How wise do you use the time that God has allotted you on earth? How wise are you using your time? We can waste our time. We can waste our talents. We can waste our treasures. But God wants us to make wise usage of the time that we have here on this earth. So use your time. Use it wisely because I promise you, it goes quickly. James compared life to a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Number nine, I will be a light for Christ in a world of sin and darkness. The world in which we live is engulfed in spiritual darkness. The Bible says the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The world in which we live is lost and dying. And you and I, we are to be a light for Christ in this world. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You and I, we have the responsibility of using our influence for good in this community. When people see you, do they see a New Testament Christian? When people observe your life, do they see somebody in whom Christ is living? Remember what Paul said, Christ liveth in me? Is Christ living in you? Do people see it day in and day out? And then number 10, I will be ready to leave this world knowing I am bound for heaven. A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to visit a lady that I've known for several years. I visited, visited with her on a Monday at the hospital. She looked good. She seemed fine. And she was telling me about she and her niece were telling me about a procedure that she was to have the following day on a Tuesday. And this was Christmas week. So I told her, I said, I'll be back to the hospital tomorrow to see you. Well, I went back on Tuesday. When I went into the room, I knew immediately something was gravely wrong. She was on oxygen. Her heart rate had accelerated. Her oxygen level had dropped, the procedure that they had planned had been shelved. When I left that room, I knew I will not see her again. I was leaving for Nashville the next day and so throughout the week I corresponded or actually talked to her niece via texting. And this lady, was a fr- was a fine christian lady and she put up a remarkable fight she was alive and well this time last year and she really fought hard but it became apparent to her that she wasn't going to make it and so she began talking about looking forward to seeing her mother her brothers Her sisters, her mother died when she was 14 years old. Please listen very carefully. I conducted this lady's funeral last Wednesday. She didn't make it. But she was living a life that was heaven bound. There are a lot of people. They began... 2011, just like us. And they're not here. And let me tell you what, I have conducted a number of funerals for people this past year. Some of whom sat where you're sitting right now. But they were ready ready to go. Are you? Are you living a life that's ready To go to heaven. When Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 4. He said I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Very quickly before we close. Not only am I determined to give myself to the Lord in 2012. I am determined to guard my life in the Lord in 2012. We're talking about protecting our faith. Here's what I want to share with you. I will not let anyone or anything come between me and my number one devotion to the Lord. Jesus said we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Don't let anything or anyone come between you and your love for the Lord. Don't let anyone come between you and your devotion to the Lord. You have the responsibility of roping that off, of making sure that that stays intact. Don't let anyone destroy that. Number two. I'm not going to let anyone or anything come between me and my duty in the Lord. There are a lot of duties that you and I have as children of God. Don't let anyone sidetrack you from doing what you know you ought to do. The devil is going to present all kinds of tactics and all kind, kinds of things for you to excuse yourself from doing what you know you ought to do. Don't let anyone do that. Don't let anything come between you and your duty in the Lord. And number three. Do not let anyone or anything come between you and your destiny with the Lord. If you're a child of God and you're living the way you ought to be living, you know that you are heaven bound. You know you're on your way to Canaan's land. Don't let anything or anyone come between you and your home in heaven. Now, if you're not going to heaven, if you're not a faithful child of God, if you've never been been baptized into Jesus Christ, I'm talking to you right now. My prayer and my plea to you this day is you'll do what you know you ought to do. This is the golden opportunity. Listen, we've got a a lot of people here today. I'm sure that there are people here today who need to respond to heaven's invitation. You haven't been baptized into Christ. You know you need to. You know you ought to, but you haven't done that. Why not do it today? Don't leave this assembly today without Christ in your life. If you're here and you're not faithful to the cause of Christ, you know you haven't been living faithfully. You know your life is not what it ought to be. You know that if you die today, you don't have a prayer. I'm talking to you. And I'm praying and I'm pleading that you'll do what you ought to do today. We talk about eternity and we talk about heaven and hell and sometimes I think we, we talk about it in a flippant way. We don't understand the gravity of the situation. Let me tell you what. We talk about people who are going to heaven. You can't understand the blessings of going to heaven. You can't understand what it means to go home and be with God. But on the other hand, you can't understand the horrors of stepping out into eternity unprepared to meet God. I don't want you to leave here today if you're not ready to meet the Lord. If you need to respond to heaven's invitation, you haven't been baptized, do that today. Do what, do what Jesus said. Believe and be baptized into Christ so that you might enjoy salvation. If you, haven't, if you haven't been living as you know you ought to live, then do what you ought to do. Come before this assembly. Ask God to forgive you. Ask your brothers and sisters in Christ to pray for you. They'll be happy to do that. We're here to help. Would you come as we stand and sing?